Well, good morning, Jim. Hi, Ralph. How are you today? I'm excellent today. Okay. And what do you attribute your excellent today uh, about? Well, I'm excellent today because uh, last night I went out, took a walk in uh, one of our neighborhood green space areas, and it ended up making me feel quite a bit better. Well, you must have uh, sort of a clairvoyantly uh, uh, channeled what we're going to talk about today. I, well, to be honest with you, it was kind of an experiment on myself, a sort of a thought experiment. Okay. Well, um, you know, last week we talked about um, having specific uh, preschool curricula that paid off later on for, for kids. Remember that? We did. And uh, I think my last exhortation to our listeners was if you can and you have uh, people young enough for preschool, it's worthwhile entering them into a good program. Right. And uh, at that point, we were hoping that uh, um, the uh, state and maybe even local federal governments would be providing some of the additional funding for programs like that. And uh, uh, that's still, you know, still the case. Remember that, that uh, the, the Perry study? Uh, for every dollar that was spent, uh, what was it, $17,000 uh, came back. Came back, yeah. yeah. Now, it's interesting, Jim, because in our local newspaper, uh, Michigan has just uh, put about $250 million into preschool education that's spread around statewide. So basically, uh, most preschool operations are going to get about $17,000 for uh, their physical plant and operations, and also some grants for uh, salary money for the people who teach in those centers. Okay, well, it certainly is going to be my uh, hope that they attach some dollars to uh, research, because I don't know if you remember from last week, um, when we don't do research on the effectiveness of our programs, we're likely to... Uh, yeah, throw away a program, you know, just because it's old, maybe old. Yeah. The example uh, with that mathematics program I was talking about. And we, you know, we have to find that uh, that repeatedly we show that something is worthwhile or still worthwhile. Uh, because if we don't, you know, if you don't uh, reinforce it, you lose it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you mentioned um, that you were out walking around and uh, made you feel better, right? It did, Okay. Yeah. The um, uh, piece of research I want to talk about today comes from Canada. Okay, our, uh, our home and no longer native land. <laughs> right, and uh, it's a collaborative piece between a PhD uh, candidate in forestry and um, a couple of uh, researchers in uh, the medical school at University of British Columbia. Okay, so forestry, green uh, spaces uh, and things. Okay, yeah. And medicine, heal your mind and body. So what do we find out? Well, they, it was an interesting study. It was done between, I think it was uh, uh, 2007 to 2015. And they looked at um, almost 28,000 children. That, okay. that 
were the entering large, large study group. Yeah, and these were kids who were entering kindergarten, and uh, in uh, Vancouver, where the study uh, took place, all of the children who enter kindergarten uh, are developmentally screened. So okay. there's a, a, a teachers do a, a standardized screening of of all kids, and the interesting part is that most of the kids in the study were doing pretty well. And, uh, you know, you think about Vancouver, you think about British Columbia, I'm sure that they have uh, good preschools, perhaps, or yeah, you know, good opportunities yeah. for kids. Um, but So they were doing pretty well, but they analyzed the data a little bit differently. Now, I've been to, to uh, Vancouver, and I know that in the city there are lots and lots of green spaces, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's an urban community and there are lots and lots of concrete spaces as right. well. Right. So yeah. they were able to tease out the kids who were living in uh, uh, areas with more green space versus less green space. And okay. they found that even though all of the kids were doing pretty well, the children who were um, living in green places or green spaces did better than children who were in the more urbanized or, or concretized um, okay. uh, environment. And, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. The, uh, uh, there haven't been very many studies that have looked at, at this. You know, we kind of know it, oh, I don't know, sort of intuitively or sense it intuitively, but, uh, you know, child development is influenced by the environment, and a big part of the environment is uh, the the green space that the kid is uh, uh, being exposed to. And some of the speculation is that children who are in green places or green spaces perhaps get more exercise. They are um, uh, outside, hopefully breathing pretty good air. I don't know about the the uh, uh, air quality in British Columbia, but I would assume that's fairly fairly uh, good so uh the certainly better than los angeles uh, apparently <laughs> apparently so yeah so one of the in in the uh, uh learn more you'll see that there's an article on uh, getting uh, kids back into nature and one of the uh, uh sources in the article that you can click on is um, uh, the author of a book called last child in the woods and uh, he thinks that uh, getting kids into the woods is important. And he says that there's a lack of uh, uh, push, I think, for children to get out into nature. And he calls it a nature deficit disorder, NDD, which is not in the DSM-5, by the way. But, you know, it, uh, it, the, the point that he was making is that, uh, you know, by getting kids into, into nature, they're going to be... Uh, more calm. They're going to be. Uh, they're going to have, get more exercise. They're going to oxygenate their blood, etc. And in fact, in one of the uh, uh, learn mores, it'd be the second one down. There's some great uh, photos in that uh, that one. And uh, I think 13 ways or 13 benefits for uh, uh, going outside and and uh, um, uh, being involved with uh, with nature. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about the learn more in, in just a minute. But what experiences have you had, Ralph, with people? You know, in the case of British Columbia, University of British Columbia, these are children who were raised in green spaces, 
and they ended up with higher DIS scores. Uh, but what experiences have you had, maybe with older uh, individuals? Yeah, I was going to say, Jim, one of the things that we're looking at in this study is kids who are entering kindergarten. But in my case, uh, I was working uh, with another uh, professor with kids who were in high school. And these were kids who had been identified uh, with behavioral issues, kids who were at risk. Uh, kids who came from pretty much uh, downtown, heavily urbanized Toronto, Hamilton, uh, that area of Canada, which is the most urbanized of all of Canada. And they had, uh, they had basically had, you know, a concrete canyon existence. And we offered... Uh, it wasn't called by that name, but most, I think, of our listeners will identify with outward bound, the idea that uh, you take adolescents and you bring them into a natural environment and you offer them uh, a large kind of challenge to overcome. And we took uh, 12 uh, adolescents uh, on a canoe trip, uh, one one week, uh, actually nine day canoe trip. Uh, and Where, whereabouts did you do this? Did you do it in Hamilton or Toronto? No, we did it in Northern Ontario in Lake Superior Provincial Park, which is very, very rugged country. That's pretty, that's what, about 50, 60 miles north of the Sioux? It is, yeah. Okay. And it's, uh, it's a park which is deliberately left uh, as wilderness, there it's unroaded. The really only means of travel that you have, uh, even in winter, when you could snow machine into it, but you can't because it's uh, no motorized vehicles. Okay, so you have to walk or well, I guess it's walk, a canoe trip. Yeah, so. walk, canoe, or kayak. Okay. So we were in canoes. And so we had the, the dozen kids and the two of us as counselors. Was there a gender difference here? All boys? All boys, okay. yeah. Um, and it isn't that uh, girls are not at risk. It's just that uh, trying to do a mixed camp of adolescents with only two counselors and a dozen, uh, a dozen canoeists would be... Um, not pretty. Not pretty. Okay. So what we, uh, what we ended up doing was uh, putting these guys into canoes, giving them uh, some onshore lessons and then some in-the-water lessons with the canoes uh, so that they had basic paddling skills. They weren't going to fall overboard or, or do anything really silly. And then we took them into the lake area. And... So we paddled for most of a day, uh, did a couple of portages. Now, one of the rules of the game was that these young men could not bring any electronics with them. Aha, uh -huh. okay. The, the um, uh, author of Last uh, uh, Child in the Woods says that the uh, kids, when asked, uh, what would you prefer to do, be inside or outside, uh, the children often said, uh, be inside, and so he 
followed through on that. And he said, well, why inside? And the children replied that that's where the electrical connections were to <laughs> connect with their, their, their media. So give me, let me just get this straight. So you have told these uh, adolescents from Southern Ontario that they're going to be in the woods, they're going to be in an un unnatural environment, and they can't take their electronics with them? Yes. Oh, uh, wow. Now this is, this is back a bit. So the, uh, the primary uh, thing that they were listening to at that time was not their phones, very few of them had a phone, but uh, was MP3 players. Yeah, Walkman, that, Walkman, that kind of thing. Walkman, that yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Uh, they, were, uh, they were deprived of those, and, and we heard lots of moaning about that in the, in the first, uh, first part of the trip. Uh, and... They, uh, they faced the withdrawal from that, and then they faced, as you said, the unexpected, unexplored environment, uh, and the first couple of days they were really seriously worried about a bear was going to get them, a snake was going to bite them, uh, you know, they, they were uh, going to break a leg in the middle of nowhere, and uh, it would just be terrible. Okay, well, those are all valid concerns. You know, the snake thing, I'm not sure. Bears up there, okay, break a leg wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a good thing. So wouldn't be a good thing, no. You can, you can see that, uh, you know, it's what, what they're worried about has some kind of rationality to it. However, up in, up in provincial, Lake Superior Provincial Park, how many bear uh, uh, sightings and bear killings do you think you have every year? Very few. Yeah, like uh, none? Like none. Yeah. Because, you know, we we tend to think often down here in the, the southern climes that uh, bears are a nuisance. Well, they're a nuisance because people leave at their cottages or at uh, at a, uh, a waste dump, uh, leave out things that the bears can eat, so the bears naturally come there. Mm -hmm. And then because people are also coming there to do whatever, um, they interact. Okay, yeah. And in the wilderness, the bears do don't have any garbage to eat on, so they don't come around the camp. They do their bear thing, okay. They do their bear thing. And snakes, no poisonous snakes in northern Ontario. Um, however... The thing that really was most dramatic to me was we, in the first day, crossed one lake, pulled up on the edge of the trail. So here we are with uh, eight canoes, 12 kids, two counselors, and enough material, tents, sleeping bags, blah, 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 which, which the kids were all provided with. Um, and were facing uh, the start of a, a portage that was about, oh, best part of half a mile. Okay. Now, part of the thing that, uh, that we said, this was their first hurdle to overcome, was um, we've got a portage. How are we going to get the canoes over? How are we going to get the supplies over? And they said, well, we don't know. And we said, well, that, that's a problem for you guys then. Jeff and I know how to get our canoe over and our supplies over. Um, how about you guys? Figure it out. Okay. So 
applied problem solving. They've got something not just theoretical. They've got something that they've got to got to master and probably master it quickly because night is going to yep. fall pretty soon. Okay. So uh, it was it was an exercise in old night and chaos. What do you mean by that? Well, just people were disorganized. Nobody knew what to do. Uh, people were trying to carry canoes right side up by uh, the thwarts. We had four kids on, on one canoe carrying it that way, which is not the way to carry a canoe, etc., uh, etc. Et so eventually they said, well, can you help us? Can you give us some, you know, and we said, no, we're not going to physically help you. Well, can you give us some advice? Oh, yeah, that we can do. New issue, right in stock. Happy to help. So we, you know, again, talked to them basic skills. Uh, you know, um, six of you uh, are going to carry the canoes. Six of you are going to carry the supplies. You've got backpacks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it ended up that, you know, by the end of the trip, when we came to the last portage, and we did a big circle route, um, the kids knew what to do. They just fell into it. Okay, so they and, learned some things. And the similar story is the first night we stopped. Um, well, how are we going to cook our food? Well, uh, we need a fire. Well, how do we make a fire? You know, it seems pretty elementary, Jim, to to people like you and I who kind of grew up with the idea that there was a certain amount of uh, untamed land very close to us. And mm -hmm. if you went out fishing or walking in the woods and you took a couple of hot dogs with you, you might want to toast them over a fire and you knew how to make a fire. Right, right. Uh, these guys didn't. Okay. So, you know, uh, by the end of the trip, came to the last night, somebody knew how to gather wood and got a, another person to help them. Somebody knew how to make a fire pit with some rocks mm -hmm. put together. Uh, another person had uh, charge of tying up the canoes and making sure that they weren't going to wash away. Another person was supervising the putting up of the tents and so on. And these tasks sort of self-evolved. Okay. Yeah, this is a lot like uh, uh, what we saw in Sharif's uh, Robber's Cave experiment, where kids who were initially uncooperative learned how to uh, uh, work with each other because it was really meant for their own own survival. But let's go back to the beginning because you said something interesting. Um, you said that you asked them or told them, I suppose, no electronics. What was, by, by the end of the uh, uh, trip, um, they've learned some things. Had they been successfully weaned away from uh, their Walkmans and, and MP3 players? Well, I can't argue that they had been successfully weaned away in the long term, but I can tell you that the first day there was a lot of grumbling and grousing about no music and, you know, I, I want my tunes and so on and so forth. And by the last day, uh, when we stopped and, you know, we stopped periodically for 
40 minutes at a time and, and pulled into shore and let, uh, you know, let our paddling muscles relax a little bit. And the kids were wandering around. I shouldn't say kids, the adolescents were wandering around. Uh, and, you know, people would go out and sit on a rock and, and watch the loons and other people would, uh, you know, maybe lean against a tree and, um, a couple of them were perpetual nappers. Every time we stopped, they just found a soft piece of ground and took a nap. But the whining and crying about, you know, my electronics had disappeared. Interesting, interesting. Now, Jeff played a, a pretty good guitar, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he did not... Uh, know or play for them any ACDC or contemporary music contemporary yeah. music but eventually they learned that you know some music folk tunes etc uh, country and western whatever Jeff played that they could sing along with okay uh, was better than no music yeah okay so they they learned that you know the music you make for yourself can be better than what they pipe into you okay so it sounds like these kids might have relaxed a little bit but they engaged in a lot more self-sufficiency right or self-efficacy than yeah. they had prior to the uh, beginning of the experience and that's a the, something that Sheila and I noticed we were hiking up in uh, uh, northern Michigan up in the Keweenaw Peninsula and uh, we ran into all of a sudden a kid, you know, sitting on a rock, very very quiet. Oh, the kid was painting, and then all of a sudden we looked around. There were kids all over the place doing quiet kinds of activities, and uh, we saw a couple of older folks. We assumed that they might be counselors, and so they said, "What's going on?" And it was similar to what you've said. These are children from uh, or adolescents from the inner city of southern Michigan, inner cities of southern Michigan. It brought up to uh, the, <laughs> the very rugged Keweenaw Peninsula uh, and uh, through Michigan Tech and uh, uh, exposed to the rugged environment. Day one, they were running through the uh, forest, hitting trees, yelling, screaming. But by the uh, sixth or seventh day when we saw them, they were settled down, they were much more relaxed, they were focused, and uh, their nature deficit disorder seemed to have uh, been uh, healed. Yeah, and one of the things I could add, Jim, about the, the kids that we had uh, in, in this trip was uh, day one, most of them were nursing serious conscript syndrome. They were saying, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. you know, my uh, my program manager insisted that I, I do this. It was either that or I go into juvie detention for a month. So, you know, they were, they were between a rock and a hard place, or at least a wilderness and a hard place, where the consequences of not coming along with us were worse. And so most of them were kind of, cheesed off about it and just by the end by the, the last day they were saying things like uh, do you think we could do this next year or or uh, can we extend the trip by another day 
we've still got some food left. Um, you know, so... Yeah, they got it. They yeah. got it, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I think we make the point now, Ralph, that uh, the uh, University of British Columbia study uh, said, you know, getting out in nature is good for young children. Well, we've also made the point that it's good for uh, older children. And as you started out uh, today by saying that a, a very old child, <laughs> such as yourself, felt uh, pretty good out uh, walking around yesterday. And in fact, Sheila and I went for a walk. It was one of the days that it was sunny. It was you know, 20 degrees, but, but you know, yeah. quite sunny. And it felt, we felt you know, really pretty good. Now, with um, Learn More, you've got a couple of uh, um, um, links that will take you to um, uh, sites that talk about the benefits of going out into nature. But the last two that are down there were done by Sheila. Now, Sheila's a home educator, and she's a, a, a narrative therapist, and uh, she works a lot with parents. And uh, these were done specifically for parents to help the parent get the child out into, the, into nature, into the green space, and to learn while they are there. So we uh, were quite lucky to have Sheila's articles. One was, they were both in, in national magazines, and uh, uh, they're a, a good example of her uh, excellent writing, but they're even a better example of how you use nature academically yeah well you know one of the things jim just to to finish our with our listeners uh being reinforced in is uh there's a there's a theory of uh how we cope with stress that is called the polyvagal theory and uh there's in their uh, dorsal ventral um a dorsal vagal uh, place that people often talk about having back pain when they're under stress, and that's why. But evolutionarily, in terms of the way humankind has grown over the millennia, uh, that dorsal vagal uh, nexus is about five million years old. And it is most responsive to outside stimulation, which is relaxing. And that is often the out of doors. So, uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with an urban environment where most of us live now, which is less than 250 years old, as opposed to 5 million years. So, you know, you, uh, you can't fly in the face of Mother Nature, I guess, is, is my final remark. So, get out and take a walk. Indeed. In the woods. In the woods. <laughs> Do not suffer from nature deficit disorder. <laughs> well, until next time, this is Jim. And Ralph. Saying, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.